This week's podcast brought to you by The Mannequin's Dummy. Yesterday, nearly a year after you won it, you brought home the fantasy football trophy that you earned from last season. It's shaped like a Vince Lombardi NFL Super Bowl trophy, spray-painted silver. It's a pretty impressive piece of work. It is the Your Mom League that you're partnered with our son in. You won it last year. You brought home the trophy and plunked it on the counter. And when our son came home, you weren't here, I said, uh, here's the trophy you won. What should we do with it? And he said, we should put it next to Mom's Basketball Hall of Fame trophy on the mantle. And so we did. And there it stands, side by side, two trophies of equal importance. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. You are looking live. You are looking live. I'm looking live, or I'm looking live at something. You're looking lively. I'm, do- I'm channeling my inner Brent Musburger. At this point, I'm probably channeling my outer Brent Musburger. Am I, am I looking more Brent-like by the day? No, I wouldn't. I, he's not one I would say you look like at all. The uh, reason we're doing this is we've done about 16 sound checks to make sure that we're recording. and we have The to say first 15, they weren't recording. They weren't recording, so we hope this podcast records. It's just random with this with this recorder, but um, we have to say something different on the sound check each time so that we can distinguish it from the previous ones. Yeah, sometimes but, you like to do the um, honey bear. The what's that one that I you like do? To say breaker, breaker, breaker one nine. Is there anyone there? Come on back and talk to Teddy Bear. Yeah, that one I find more annoying than the others. But today you broke out the new one. You said you did your Brent Musburger. Brent Musburger. Yeah. So, so anyway, carry on. We we record this on Wednesday morning. We record this on Wednesday morning. Nothing, when, nothing going on in the news. Yeah, a slow news day, so we thought we'd record a podcast. Yesterday was election day, and um, and so is today, and, and and perhaps tomorrow as well. Um, although I have to say that I, as we're waiting for a lot of mail-in ballots to be counted, I am so proud that our daughter, she was going off to school today. I was saying to her, I said, "Feel free to speak up in class. You know more about this process." than anybody else probably, certainly any other student, because she and I volunteered not only on election day, but um, leading up to election day. And uh, in terms of helping the process of counting absentee ballots, we don't, you know, we didn't actually count them, we, but we helped with the process. And I don't know, if it, I think it was last week that she and I went and we helped um, cross off names like if if an if a absentee ballot was received um the name and address were in like the return name and address and so you'd go through the voter rolls and you would help um cross those names off so that 
you know, th- they knew that that ballot had been received. And um, did either of you bring or require any of my ocular accoutrement? <laughs> no, we did not. Or the jeweler's loop would have been good in that. No, it, it would have scenario. been good. Um, but it's it, the the whole process is fascinating. And, and and every time that that our daughter and I went, I was um, they always match you up with someone else and of of the opposite party. So I have a good friend of mine who she is um, and I are not registered for the same party so we were always paired up and then so on election day when we went in at 8 a.m um our job was finally to get to open the inner envelope so at first you have the inner envelope which is inside the outer envelope so our first thing that when we went a week ago we were able to cross off some names and then other volunteers had come in and in the past you could not open the outer envelope until election morning but um, our governor in Connecticut had signed leg- legislation that allowed the outer envelope to be opened um, the Friday before the election. So, Is there a tertiary envelope involved? You no, know, there's just the outer and the inner. So other people had opened the outer envelope and then taken out the inner envelope. In those envelopes, other people had already done this, the process of making sure there was a signature because you do sign the inner envelope. And I don't know if they then matched up the signature with the voter rolls. We weren't involved in that process. So by the time we got there on election day, our job, we had all of these inner envelopes, was to open the inner envelope. This was not our daughter's job. She's not allowed to touch the ballot, but she helped um, doing some other things. So um, open the inner envelope, remove the inner envelope, remove the ballot from the inner envelope. And the amount of counting that is involved, and this is tedious, so I won't talk about it too much, but it's also a little bit interesting just because of what's going on right now. It's, it's interesting in in the detail of tedium. And I, I don't say this as a joke. The, the, the tedium is sort of what's interesting about it. it the, totally. The, uh, it's so, just the mechanical, yes. bureaucratic, purely bureaucratic so, process. With, so when, when we motives. went to our town hall, and it, everybody's volunteered, so there's four tables, and there's two people at each table, a Republican and a Democrat, or a Republican and an Independent, or a Democrat and an Independent, but just you know two separate parties. And the, the people in charge, again, a, a Republican and a Democrat, they would come and they'd give you a pile of 25 um, ballots in the inner envelope. And we would count, make sure there was 25 there. Um, my partner and I would each initial the card. Yes, there are 25 here. So then we would open, we'd have the process of opening this inner envelope, making sure that you didn't like cut or slice or anything the ballots inside. But what if, was there any danger of slicing or cutting your fingers? Actually, I am wearing a Band-Aid right now. I was the first person to ask for a Band-Aid because I did get a paper cut. And then while we were there, at least one, I think two other people also needed a Band-Aid for little paper cuts. So, so anyway, you've, you've, I'm still wearing you've, it. I'm showing it to you right now. You've given blood for democracy. Yes. And so, so you open up and then you take the ballot out of the envelope. And then my partner counts the envelopes again. And do I? So this is the third time these envelopes have been counted. We initially, yes, there's 25. Then my partner counts the ballots. And so do I. Just the number of them. 25 initial, 25 initial. We both initial. And then... Um, and then we just look at the ballots. They've been separated, so you don't know whose goes with what envelope. You can't really discern most signatures anyway. And then you just look at the ballot to make sure that the machine is going to be able to read the ballot. And it only happened a couple of times. Like one time I got a ballot and somebody had put white out on it because they had voted and then wanted to change their mind, white out. So then I alert like the two election kind of officials who are there. 
give them that ballot so that they can put it to be hand read. Now, are they wearing, I picture them in Australian rules football referee uniforms, <laughs> no. with white coats, hats, No, gloves, it's it's even, it's so perfect New holding England. Holding a flag, like an no, orange flag. They were like in, you know, tan corduroys and their button down shirt. Yeah, total Norman Rockwell kind of guys. And um, and they would both come over and, and, and like one time there was somebody who had voted, but they had put an X after they had voted, they'd put an X through it and then voted for someone else. And so they'd both come over and say, we, you know, do you agree that the intent of this voter was to X this one out and have this other one count? Yes, we both agree that that was the intent of the voter. So they put and those. And then an NFL referee announces that to the entire <laughs> yes. office. So they put review. those, they put the, the ballots that need to be read by hand to the side. But the, but the tedium. Do they, do they of, pick it up with tongs, the contested <laughs> ballots? No. The tedium of the process. So our daughter's job, she had a notebook in front of her. And every time we'd get a stack of 25 inner envelopes and ballots, she would write down the time that they came in. And then if there was any issues, like the time where I got the white out, she would take a note. This was batch three. Um, we called the, the people over because they were white out. They took the ballot, like the documentation on all of this. And and um, and so anyways, we're fortunate in Connecticut that we were able to start this process, at least of opening the outer envelope on Friday, because again, by the time these ballots got to us on election day in this small town, where I think we had around 2,500 absentee ballots, we were able to um, to go through them. So later in the day, the ballots were going to be put in the, the voting machine to be counted. But, um, but like our daughter understands kind of Better the, than I do. The process, yeah, better than I would bet most of her teachers do just by having this experience. So so she and I did that in the morning, and then the three of us, because our daughter wanted to kind of watch how voting takes place, we went to our polling place, and uh, I don't know how many, we've voted, I don't know how many times um, every election cycle we have voted, but this is the first time ever where we weren't able to just walk into our polling place. Walk into place. the high school gym. Yeah, there was... There's a long line circling the parking lot. Yeah, it took it moved about... Moved quickly. Yeah, moved quickly. 15 minutes that we were in line, but still it was, I mean, for there to be a line on in a time when we had way more absentee ballots than ever before um, just shows how many people were engaged um you know, this election in this election. But um, but anyway, so when I'm reading about, you know, absentee ballots needing to be counted and and especially in states where they weren't allowed to be opened ahead of time, I understand like even just opening the outer envelope takes a like with that amount of ballots takes a ton of time, then removing them and all of the paperwork to document the process that have been licked and sealed yes or is it a peel back device that you then with an adhesive no it's a lick and seal um it's a lick and seal it's a lick and seal yeah because we actually like one time one of the ballots that we had um with the inner envelope it had the seal had come undone and so we had to call the guys over for that and they inspected it and everything looked fine um but the the process was was really interesting, and but I at least understand now why it takes so long to count an absentee ballot. The process each ballot goes through to ensure its authenticity and to um, document it each step of the way was um, was really interesting. So that was um, that was a great lesson for me. I, I did not know anything about this process, you know, three weeks ago, and now I feel like I I know a lot more. This past weekend on Sunday, um, our youngest daughter, and actually uh, 
I think a few of the kids in the house have watched over the years on HGTV flea market flip. It's one of the shows that they really like where the host goes to a flea market and they find stuff that crap. they then crap that they then, rent, then repurpose into useful or, or nicer crap well, they and don't sell. repurpose it. A team of, right. of master carpenters and painters and furniture makers turns it into something useful. Yes. yes. So one of the the flea markets that they go to on the show is actually in Connecticut. It's called Elephant's Trunk. And uh, Sunday New was, Milford? Hmm? Is it in, it's in New, New Milford? New Milford, yeah. And on Sunday, our second oldest daughter for her um, for her confirmation had a retreat that she had to go to. And where the tr- retreat place was located was on the way to, sort of, on the way to New Milford. So um, Sunday morning, I asked our younger daughter, I said, would you want to go to the elephant's trunk? I've never been there, but one of my good friends goes there frequently. So I got touch with my good friend and she has a daughter our youngest daughter's age so anyway we we decided that was going to be what we did on this um kind of gloomy sunday so drop our daughter off at the retreat and drive like an hour to uh to new milford and what was funny was my friend had said you know it's a really pretty drive especially this time of year well after we had dropped our daughter off i just put it into ways and of course ways didn't take me the pretty way it took me the highway (laughs) so we're driving and realizing yeah this isn't a pretty drive at all but we're going to get there so um, you didn't say siri take me to the elephant's trunk yeah (laughs) i actually put elephant's trunk into ways and it found us there imagine it when you were a kid if you were there would be a world someday where you could say even if you were alone you could say alone in a room siri take me to the elephant's trunk and, and a voice would reply, okay, and start giving you directions. I mean, this is space age, bizarre. It I, is. It, it's Jetson. It's Jetsonian. It, well, you know what was not space age or Jetsonian? Was the flea market. So we get there, we go inside. And, um, and of course, like f- what they show on TV, well, I guess it is kind of what they show on TV, but like a flea market is just like, you know, stuff that a people don't want anymore. Sale. Yeah. Well, when we first get there, they come, somebody um, gets on like an intercom and uh, and says, you know, we see the radar is showing that weather's coming this way. So I think it typically closes at like four o'clock or something. You know, today we're going to be closing around uh, a little early, like at 2.30. Well, we got there, I think it was right around noon. Okay, so we're, there's no chance we're going to be at a flea market for two and a half hours anyway. So as we're walking around um, and looking at stuff, like I stopped, there's one guy who had like old books. It was, that was one of the cooler tables. And, and my friend, of course, knows a bunch of the vendors because she goes there frequently enough that like she says hello to these people and they recognize her and they chat. Um, but at one point, our, our 10-year-old and her, and she's with her friend, our 10-year-old says to me, where's the kids' stuff? <laughs> and I'm like, of course, there's no kids' stuff. So at the next table, there was like somebody who had, I don't know if it was old creepy dolls or what, but at least it was sort of kid stuff. And, um, but the best was we get to this one, this one spot and, um, our daughter's friend, um, got for, I think for her birthday, like a kid's, um, design kit where you make little tiny, it comes with like fabric and you make and design little clothes that, you can put on Barbie dolls or that sort of thing. And she's super into it. Well, 
we get to this this one vendor and out front he has this giant like mannequin a, a mannequin torso no head neck down to like a little below the waist is that a dressmaker's dummy yeah is that what it's called yes. yeah but it wasn't plastic like a mannequin you'd see in a store no, it, it was, was a, like it was a dressmaker's dummy yeah so uh so we get there and she sees that and of course her eyes get all big and she's like you know saying to her mom can i get this can i get this so can i, I asked the guy torso on a yeah can i get torso the on a, on a stand? torso on a wooden stand and so I asked the guy, I said, how much is this? He said, well, it started the day at $85 and it's gone down to 65 and might be down to 45 now. And I'm thinking there's no way this thing's, I guess in your phantom world, it started at 85. So, so, um, the, what, does mean, what does it even mean? It started at 85, like he was given an MSRP from yeah. the manufacturer. Yeah. Who knows? And so of course, like anyone who's around 10 year olds knows. So she gets fixated on this. So as we're, you know, we keep walking and we're looking and she keeps asking her mom, like, can I get that? Can I get that? And her mom just says, you know, like, let's keep walking around the aisles and, and we'll figure it out. So anyway, um, my friend goes over eventually and talks to the guy and is able to haggle with him a little bit and gets it down to a price that that was reasonable for her and him. So he says, because the thing is big, and even though my friend, because she's an expert at going to these things, has her little metal cart that we're pulling around. Um, this thing, this this dressmaker's dummy is big and heavy. So the guy said, I'll just leave it here. And on your way out, you know, you just grab it. So as we continue to walk around, we've been there probably 35 minutes tops. Somebody, the guy comes back on the intercom and said, uh, this weather's coming in. It's going to be here in 10 minutes. So vendors, you know, feel free to start packing up because normally when they get there, they have to be, they have to stay there until whatever. Do you time. think this is, this is an announcement they make to the rubes every Sunday yeah. to try to get you to buy up? Well, maybe. Except that. So we were like 10 minutes. Okay. So we're walking around and finally we see the clouds looking gray. The, the sky's looking gray. We should get out of there. So. The best part in my mind, we start walking back towards where the mannequin's dummy uh, was, and we realize that guy has already packed up and left. So all that's in his spot instead of his truck and all the stuff he was selling was this mannequin's dummy. He just left it there for the dummies to get the dummy, or not the mannequin's dummy, I, I, the I dressmaker's love, I, I dummy. I love the thought of it being a mannequin's <laughs> dummy. I know. I've moved from like, dressmaker's dummy to mannequin's the, the dummy. The mannequin is a ventriloquist. And it has its own dummy, with which yes. it has like a so, puppet show. Anyway, we ended up dummy. spending- The mannequin's dummy is the name of another flea market in Connecticut. Probably. Near the elephant's trunk. We ended up spending maybe an hour tops there. Um, I found an, a cool book that I got for you. And uh, and then- Some, some English uh, scientists, 1841 travels through America. It's crazy. It's interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, well, I was looking at this book, this table full of books, and this guy said, you know, the travel logs are up there. And I was like, oh, that's right up your alley. Mm. So I went and I found this one, and, um, and you've actually been reading it. So that's kind of cool. So anyway, so we, we, <laughs> we have a 10-year-old insisting. So she carries the, the dressmaker's dummy, dummy <laughs> through this as, the, as it, we get to the car, put the dummy into the... Um, car just as the rain starts coming down. So now it's raining, but uh, but we're not going to return home on the highway. We're going to go the pretty route. So we're going back roads, and it really is pretty. It's like the northwest part of Connecticut. Um, 
and it's a pretty drive and it's going to take us a little over an hour to get home from the elephant's trunk. Well, we're like 45 minutes into the drive. We've stopped at in a little town at a little, at a sandwich spot to get some soup and sandwiches for us to eat um, before heading home. And so we get back in the car and we're driving and that, that's when our 10-year-old says from the car, when's the pretty part of the drive? <laughs> and meanwhile, we're going the route that's like longer and, and especially in the rain, more difficult to drive on than the highway. When's the pretty part of the drive? And we said, it's been the last 45 minutes. So, uh, so anyway, we get back and our daughter and her friend are like, you know, get fabric and they're making shirts and other things for um, using the dressmaker's dummy. And then, uh, and then the best part for me was that night sitting on the couch with our 10 year old and, uh, and, you know, I think we'd gotten some fabric and just had a needle and thread and she was making like a wallet or a purse or something out of fabric. And as she's sewing, she said to me, she said, do you like sewing? And I said, uh, yeah, actually I do. And she said, it's peaceful until you get poked with a needle. <laughs> and she had just poked herself in the needle. Do you enjoy sewing? It's peaceful until you get poked with a needle. And isn't that just like a metaphor for life right there? Absolutely, especially from somebody who, who received a self-inflicted paper cut sorting envelopes this week. Think of our think of our lives. These are these are these are not the this is not the humdrum every day of our lives. These are the highlights of the week. You're sorting the envelopes. Yes. Sewing and finding almost nothing at the flea market, which I love. I mean, that's that's that is that is life. Well, and it was it was like we should do we should do a reflection on like a meditation. Maybe we're doing it right now on tedium and the uh, the humdrum. And 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 I have to say, I totally appreciate the tedium, especially on Sundays. And the reason is, Sundays in the winter time um, are typically and will be like these ridiculously busy days because that's I work. Um, during college basketball, I go to I go into Bristol and I work like double or triple headers. And those are usually days where you're driving the kids off to this travel basketball game or that travel basketball game. They are one of the busiest days of the week. Um, but, but, but and I say this with nothing but respect and admiration, the basketball itself, and it goes quadruply for me, writing is also a a uh, has there's a lot of tedium that drives it. Well, I know of course. you enjoy it, but it's no, a lot yes. of sitting there watching yes. game after game after game after game after game on your iPad. Sometimes games distilled to just the offensive and defensive. Yes, no. Plays. I'm, let me. Ju- I'm just saying, it's once I get into that rhythm, it's months where I don't have a Sunday where I can wake up and say. To one of our kids, do you want to go to a flea market or do you want to do some this X, Y or Z last minute? Because you can't do anything last minute because the day is scheduled in such a way because of work or their schedules or whatever. So um, every moment of the, you know, spontaneous, um, you know, pretty drive and uh, and and walking through a flea market, I I was enjoying all of that. I mean, I think. Almost everybody in every job can find a kind of happy tedium in whatever they're doing. You know, I talked to my dad. How did your surgery go? It was uneventful. Uneventful is a happy outcome. 
in that case. Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, and, and by the way, just to to um, recap, flea market. When we were talking about the flea market. Um, do you know where the phrase flea market comes from? I don't, but I'm guessing you'll tell me. Well, if, if you really, if, since you really, since you've asked, um, from the French marché aux puces. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Probably not. A name originally given to a market in Paris which specialized in shabby second-hand goods of the kind that might contain fleas. So not only is it stuff that nobody wants, it's second-hand stuff that goods you that might have to get contain rid of fleas because it's, it is perhaps flea-ridden. I don't think your book is flea-ridden. There's probably a chance that the um, my book was was uh, stolen from or mustered out of the Bridgeport Public Library, and it has a couple of checkout slips in its pages from. Oh, really? Yes, I didn't know absolutely. that. That's cool. Yeah, it's also um, a, a sign that it probably hasn't been opened to be read in more than 100 years. Well, I'm guessing that's true because when I picked it up and opened Fleas it, flew no, out. when I opened it like the first time, the, um, the glue that, that secured the spine to the pages came away as if somebody hadn't opened that thing forever. Um, but uh, but that both makes this author happy and depressed and happy in that the possibility that at some flea market somewhere 180 years from now, somebody might find Stingray Afternoons right. and, and um, buy it as a gag gift for their spouse. Depressing in that uh, most books, even if they're sold and circulated, go unopened for most of their existence. Well, and but the thing is, it wasn't like a gag gift. It was a. I was oh, no, genuinely I excited to um to give it to you because I didn't expect you to read it cover to cover, but I thought you would find some of the pages in it interesting, and it seems like you have. And it was um and it's just a cool you know books of from that era are just cool looking too. The guy arrived from from it from Liverpool, uh, stayed at the Tremont Hotel in Boston, which I immediately googled the finest hotel in the world, the first with indoor plumbing, and then he came to. Uh, to Connecticut, to Rocky Hill, Connecticut, where we've been. We probably I, think, I was there twice last twice week. Twice last. Twi- have you been to Santiago, Chile? Twice last year. You designed the Estadio Olimpico? Anyway, um, so it's, it's just cool uh, to know that 180 years ago, these places were in existence and life was proceeding relatively normally. Um, so... Yeah. So that was the the tedium, but excitement of the week in the Russian household. More tedium. Oh, we don't have a commercial break. Otherwise, I could say more tedium after these messages. And if I just might say one more word on uh, in praise of tedium, last night while you were in front of the uh, the wall to wall election coverage, flipping among several breathless commentators trying to break things down. Um, I had to. I had to take a break. I had to uh, remove myself from the room, and I went upstairs, where our youngest was watching HGTV, and I decided to join her with a pile of laundry to fold. And the simple act of folding laundry while watching two nitwits try to choose among three houses was uh, was oddly soothing when there was when there was no clear outcome to report in the election and. Um, and the news channels all seem to be designed with the background scary movie music and stuff designed to keep you on edge and tuned in. 
uh, the simple boring act of folding laundry in front of a, of a sort of video wallpaper was was nice. Yeah, I bet it was. I was um, one you, of the... you, you were less, if I may, less uh, relaxed oh. because at, at 10 p.m. I was in our son's room trying to get him to go to sleep and you burst through the door like like Kramer and Seinfeld and said, have you seen the list? Who has the list? I, 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 I've lost the list or our daughter has lost the list and now I'm never going to know what the phone numbers uh, and email addresses of, of the basketball kids are. And I had no idea what you were talking about. I just knew that it was time for me to leave the room and go search for whatever this list was. But you were angry. You were angry at me. Even though I didn't know what the list was, still not entirely sure what the list is, and certainly had no idea what where the list was. Well, I've since found the list, and that's what wasn't what was on the list. Um, and the list was obviously had nothing to do with the tension I was feeling. <laughs> it was all because I was sitting in front of the television watching, you know, the election non-results. But I have to say, one of the things that fascinates me uh, watching the election—that's that, that, it. That's all you have to that's say. That's all for, I have for, to say about that. <laughs> yes, I was. I was. I was falsely I was, accused of. I was of a little out of my mind. As as as. Let's just leave it at that. But as I'm watching the election results and and you know, uh, different people working the um, the, the touchscreen, sc- yeah. the digital touchscreen, which you for which you have an appreciation. I, I'm fascinated by it, and this is one of the reasons why. So I get to use our touchscreen on occasion when I'm, in particular, when I'm working in studio, not for games. When I'm in studio and I get to break down when you this, say our that, touch or the screen, other thing. ESPN. ESPN's we don't touch own one of Yeah, these. you and I don't own our own touchscreen. So the touchscreen at ESPN. It would be nice to own yes, one. But yes, we don't. Would, we don't. So when when I do stuff at the touchscreen for ESPN, like it's clips that I found ahead of time. I they they like tell a story that I want to tell. I send them to ESPN and they play the clips and I pause and I draw on the touchscreen, okay? And it's and, usually and like two minutes worth of content. And it's usually a f- the full body shot, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, always yeah, the full body shot. That's the only time I have to bring like... Pants. De- no, decent shoes. I'm always wearing pants or skirt at work. But um, yeah, like normally I have sneakers on because the studio's cold. Anyway, when I know I'm going to tape a touchscreen seg- segment, I bring my heels or something nicer usually. Anyway, I almost... I think... Every single time I've done a touchscreen segment, they've had me tape it ahead of time. So I get to studio early and I tape this two minute touchscreen segment because they're worried that something's going to go wrong with the touchscreen or something's not going to be quite right in the production room. And we tape it and then it airs, you know, an hour or two later at the, halftime of the game. They look like they would be notoriously buggy, those touchscreens. Yes, touch yes. Finicky. But temperamental. how is it that I have to tape my touchscreen segment that might involve like pausing couple arrows, highlight. And the guys during the election, I mean, their touchscreens are a lot more complicated than mine, and they just zoom right through them. Their touchscreens don't have any issues. They're well, not taping anything ahead of time. Well, do you speaking, think, th- think the touchscreen's actually buggy, or do you think my producers just don't trust well, me? Well, speak, but uh, it, it goes to the theme of this show, which is uh, uh, unrelenting tedium. And those guys have practiced I mean, you get access to a touchscreen on occasion to do your thing, and you do it well. But these guys, they they have spent months, if not years, working in that touchscreen and and knowing where uh, uh, Buncombe County is. Yeah, in, that's amazing. Their geography not only is the amazing. Geography, but the 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 um, the arcane knowledge of this is rural how they voted in the last election and, and, and small yes. states. 
is that memorized? Is it is it uh, acquired over years of actually paying attention to this stuff? I think it's. I mean, it's, of course, it's important for for our it's, our it's, democracy, but it's it's. Um, it's not something that comes up other than right, but every it's four it's years. their life. Like they know they're not going to expand on the Connecticut map and need to know how this sure, county voted or or that. Yeah, it's you know a handful of states, but it doesn't make it any less impressive. Like their knowledge is pretty incredible, and their ability too, because the touchscreens are aren't aren't just like their ability to navigate between the national map and the electoral map and then they go to state maps and they go to the counties and they you know this year's election versus 2016 election like their their ability to navigate through all of that stuff i do just sit there and am and am impressed by it i also in um entertained when Sometimes the host interrupts the guy on the touch screen and, you know, you see the dynamic when they get annoyed, when, like, stop. I'm the I'm the one with the touch screen. Like, let me walk my, the audience through the touch screen. Enough with your dumb questions. Um, like, I, I enjoy all of that um, interaction between the touch screen operators and the hosts of the news shows. I could tell. Couldn't you? Well, yeah. Well, I wasn't enjoying the lack of any kind of clarity and frustration last night. I, I was, we've talked about this recently, my best version, my worst version. That was one of my worst versions of me last night, storming into the room looking for the list. <laughs> Shall we get, go to viewer mail? Yes, please. Let's go to viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure, in with your viewer mail. Dear Ball, parentheses, and chain, on this week's podcast, you were talking about, meaning last week's podcast, right? Yes. On, on last week's podcast, you were talking about the glove box and what it should be called. You called it a glove box. I called it a glove compartment. Yes. It's a place where you store the- I think the I called it a glove compartment, too. We called it both. It's the st- place where we store our uh, fast food napkins. Yes. Yes, okay. And straws. Yeah. Well, well Stacy with a Y, who signs her name Stacy with a Y- um, says, I remember that my father-in-law, who is 93, referred to it as a jockey box. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, back in the late 1800s, when people rode around in wagons and not cars, the jockey box was a box in the wagon underneath the driver's seat for carrying small articles. When people started driving cars instead of wagons, the name stuck. Personally, my jockey box is a CD holder because I'm of the generation that still listens to CDs. Rebecca, good for you for being a poll worker. Hopefully all was calm in your neck of the woods. Stacy with a Y near Seattle, home of the four-time WNBA champions. I like that. Jockey box. The jockey box. Uh, it's where you... Where what you, did you... What did your... I can only imagine. What did your dad keep in the jockey box when what you were a what kid? What did my dad Probably keep in the jockey nothing. box? I can tell you what he kept. Yes. Registration. Yep. Insurance. Yep. Tire air pressure gauge. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Of course not. I mean, I don't think there was anything else. He probably vacuumed his jockey box on a on a regular basis. Still does. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, our our license and registration are are not license and registration. Our registration and insurance card are in there. I think we actually do have a tire pressure gauge, but I never use it. And then um, coupons that I put in there, they're like for Dick's Sporting Goods or other stores that um, are just like. Uh, recycling way station because they're in there and then if i go to that store i forget they're there and then 
next time I clean out the jockey box, I just put them in recycling because the expiration date has passed. But um, but now, yes, we have napkins and um, straws that we get at fast food places, although I prefer to use, we have reusable straws that we keep in the car. No, I prefer to use those in no, non-COVID times. And when we're, memories of being in the car and looking for uh, Tootsie Roll Pops in the jockey box that might have been left behind, left behind from vacation because we did have we did eat in the car when we were on long car trips. My mom would hand out have, bring a big bag of Tootsie Roll Pops mm-hmm. and every six hundred six or seven hundred miles you would get to have a Tootsie Roll Pop. Sweet. Oh um, um the one thing that we used to have in there that was helpful and is no longer helpful is I had like an old prescription bottle. bottle yeah. That was perfect size to hold quarters, and I'd have a bunch of quarters in there for when I needed parking to meters. park somewhere and put it in a parking meter. And of course, now parking meters you just use um, credit cards or whatever else. But uh, I used to have the prescription bottle of quarters in my jockey box. Uh, hi, Restiva writes Ralph. I'm old enough to remember when the drive-up window at a at a bank was still a novelty. We talked about that being yes. in the car. Uh, Pneumatic tubes. Your mom would put the deposit slip or whatever in the in the Thing that looks like a blender, yeah. Put that lid on, and it would go shooting into God knows where, presumably the bank. In my imagination, it was going I, into a, straight I into a bank think vault. It was going into the bank, going into yes. the bank vault with the big ship steering wheel on the on the front of it that you used to see in movies. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Uh, I was. Always, can I just interject quickly? You, may, you, you, you may mentioned interject that slowly when we were when we were doing all of our ballot stuff, um, ballot the ballot facilitation process at our town hall. We got to see the vault. Our town hall has a vault. It's fireproof and waterproof. There's all kinds of town records and stuff in there, but that's where they were keeping the um, the mail-in ballots. They I, let us walk in and take a look around That the makes vault. me think of stuffing the ballot box, which makes me think of stuffing the jockey box, which I think is what, what we do in our cars. At least yes, I open we do stuff, stuff our jockey boxes. <laughs> I open mine and, and a lot of stuff. Falls out. Ralph writes, I was always amazed when the drawer would open seemingly on its own. That's true. Do you remember that? That that drawer that you stuck the sideways blender in would open on its own. My mother and father. But I just always assumed there was the person inside, like the bus driver that was pushing that big handle. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, somebody was making it open. It wasn't, it wasn't, but uh, my my mother or father would place a check in the drawer. The drawer would close, and after a short while, the drawer would open again with money. What a deal. Some years later, I learned that one had to maintain a balance in one's account to actually get the money. Pity. I wish Rebecca and your daughter good luck in their civic assignment next week. I've already exercised my right to vote. Uh, the winning presidential candidate will be in his seventies. Well, that much we st- that's all we still know a week later. But um, but uh, I'd forgotten about that. The way that that drawer would automatically open and and. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, we had I had a savings account um, that didn't get any use until I was in high school and finally got a job working in the tobacco fields in Southwick, Massachusetts. But. Uh, but I remember going to the bank, you'd put your, your money in or the check along with your your savings booklet, and they would act, literally type the new amount that was in your savings account in the booklet and send it back out. And I had this booklet with pages that, you know, ooh, I just added $100 or whatever that week's check was to my savings account. Did you have a savings account like yeah, that where absolutely. you actually had the booklet? I, mean, I had the booklet, yeah, the, the passbook savings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was... It was uh, Amazing to see the three cents of interest added uh, to your to your um, to your estate. Yeah, when you were eight. Yeah. 
uh, Mark in, uh, in Wisconsin writes, uh, Stephen, Rebecca, you get lots of thanks for doing the podcast through all this emails and deservedly so. Your weekly sharing is always looked forward to as a lighthearted slice of real life and oasis amid all the less fun parts of what we have to deal with. Thank you, Mark. Uh, for me, Mark writes, the pod must be listened to while on the treadmill. It's the incentive I use to trick my brain into wanting to exercise. So I call it Russian hacking. Thanks again. <laughs> um, I, of all people, should be equipped to to uh, get myself to exercise um, through some sort of Russian interference, but uh, it's not working for me. Well, perhaps I need. Perhaps I need. Uh, you just need like you. You never needed motivation to to exercise when your body's been healthy. So that's true. Um, Robert writes, "Dear Rebecca and Steve." Ignorans infinitum porta. That's his opening salvo. Ignorans infinitum porta. This, of course, writes, writes Robert, is the Latin for the gateway to infinite ignorance. Steve coined it as a potential motto for the podcast while responding to a viewer mail, which mentioned the concept that the more you learn, the more you learn what you don't know. Uh, since I know that I don't know enough Latin to come up with this on my own, credit must go to Google Translate, your simplest of palindromes, Bob in North Carolina, Ignorance infinitum porta. I think that is the perfect. If we get a coat of arms for this podcast, that's what we want on it. The Latin for the gateway to infinite ignorance. I like it. I mean, today it's 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 the gateway to uh, infinite tedium, but that's just today, or maybe not. Michelle writes, uh, "Hello, no no uh, ball, no chain, no Restiva, just, just hello, which I like. Maybe this is going out to." 10,000 people in her, with one in her spam two? list. Uh, two L's and an E. Okay. But M-U-S-H-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Michelle, the conventional way, says, hello, no, no, no uh, Steve, no Rebecca, no comma. But let's overlook that. One of my friends just posted this on Facebook, and I thought of you since you were always referencing old commercials. How many of them are you humming or singing as you read the line? I think it was all of them for me. Enjoy, Michelle. Uh, can I read this list to you, Rebecca? Please. My baloney has a first name. Can you complete O -S -C -A -R. it? O-S-C-A-R. Okay. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece, piece of, of that, that Kit, Kit Kat, Kat bar. bar. Yep. The best part of waking up? Is folders in your cup. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. I'd like to teach the world to sing. In perfect harmony. Reach what was out. that for? Remind that was for Coca-Cola. Reach out and touch someone. I know it was for um, phone, but what AT &T. was- AT&T. Yeah. Uh, if you dare wear short shorts. We wear short shorts. Nair for short shorts. Nair for, yes. Oh, Nair, yeah. Uh, they're magically delicious. They're magic. Oh, um, the cereal with... Uh, Lucky Charms. Yeah. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow. Meow mix. Or is it meow mix or pure in a cat chow? I don't know. Um, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, out of relief it is. Alka-Seltzer. Alka-Seltzer. And finally, so kiss it a little longer, hold hands a little longer, hold tight a little longer. So kiss a little longer. But what was it for? Hold Gum? hands a little longer. Hold, hold tight, tight a little longer. longer. Come longer on. with big red. Longer with that big red freshness. That's less right. Fre yeah. Do gums, does gum have commercials anymore? I don't think so. Does, I mean, you remember, you remember, of course, we talk about your mom going to the bank and the automatic teller and the drawer sliding open and the pneumatic tube going through. Every mom had a pack of... Wrigley's Juicy Fruit or Double Mint or Spearmint. Or Big Red. Or Big Red in their purse, right? That was like... It was required. A lot of Kleenex yeah. used. A pen. A pen. The the bad kind. Stuff that you might otherwise... We might otherwise keep in our jockey box. Right. And then like the crinkled up Kleenex. And and this was... I just... So I that she could, she, could, she could 
lick it and then rub stuff off your face with it. Yes. Always pleasant. I, I remember this, um, like as kids, if we were able to get gum at the, at the, uh, drugstore or whatever you we would always want bubblicious or something that was you know the sweet bubble gum and my mom like would did not like that at all she liked big red or um you know the the other kind of gum and then now that i'm an adult and and, and when our kids would say oh you know you want a piece of my bubble gum and it's like ooh no thank you but uh and i'm the same way i like to have the minty gum it's part of the gr- process of growing up i think uh Certainly. And um, it makes me want to get go out and get remember because they had the they had the the sort of regular size pack then they would have the the double size pack that I'm talking about of bubble gum or the or of, uh, of, oh of, yeah yeah of, yeah like of the stick gum, gum. Like, yeah and and, and, and then, then you pull it out pull and it, it would leave the, it would leave the silver wrap no it would leave the white accordion inside exactly exactly and then you would have the silver wrapper and and you could then put the gum back in the silver wrapper yep and or you know you would take the silver wrapper without the gum in it, and you'd wrap it back up and put it in the accordion, yes, yes, and then yes, you would give yes, it to someone, that's and they'd think doing. it yes, was a full pack yes. of gum. And they used to sell gag uh, packs of gum where you could take one out and it would snap like a mousetrap. Yes, you remember that? Of course. Well, our, our gum culture has has it's, been replaced by our gun culture. No, our gum culture has really, really um, uh, it's slipped. declined. Yes, in a big way. Big time. You think that's some kind of a dental lobby? Dear Chain and Ball, writes Alex, solidly in the Oxford comma camp here. That's good to know. I, I'm uh, I'm all for an Oxford comma. I'm sure by the time we get to viewer mail, we'll have heard whether your cardboard tubes work for Halloween candy delivery, Rebecca. You were right. Once this husband got a hold of the idea here at our house, the complexity ramped up quite a bit. It did work out, didn't it? Yeah, our whole neighborhood. Um, I had to... Almost everyone used the cardboard tubes, and we did ours from the second story window. Um, we had a lot fewer trick-or-treaters than we ever get. Um, I took a picture of it. I'll, I'll, if I can find it, I will post it. It was, um, it was a hit. Well, Alex in St. Paul did the same thing. He attached a couple pictures of the 28, 28 foot candy slide. Uh, we worked 28 up for trick-or-treat. Foot? 28 feet. Here it is. It, it's, uh, it goes from, uh, How do you get the velocity? Front porch to the street. Well, it's, it's, it has a, a nice gentle slope, um, Oh, it's not all that gentle. It's 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 on a ladder, and uh, it goes down to the sidewalk. Uh, didn't have time to paint it like a pixie stick, but we made it spookier by adding chains and spiders. It worked really well, and the kids loved it. We definitely had fewer kids out here this year, but it was not twice as fun sharing treats while keeping COVID-19, the pandemic, at bay. And while I don't have, and, and I'll, I'll send you this picture, Rebecca, and while I don't have a resident expert assignment yet, as a typical Minnesotan, I'd like to establish that Minnesota style. In a characteristically modest mode, I won't claim to be the best at anything specific. Now, that is very Minnesotan, Alex. Yes, it is. You don't, you, you. you is that you, real modesty or fake modesty, no, no, that's though? real modesty. Okay. You, you finish runner-up in four Super Bowls. Uh, you finish runner-up in presidential elections, and you, you, um, you build... The uh, building's just slightly smaller than the tallest building in downtown Minneapolis, so as not to eclipse the old IDS tower. Um, and so it's, it's, it's how they roll. And, and it, uh, so, therefore, I humbly submit to be your resident deferential. Not sure exactly what that will mean, but happy to stick around and see, well, as you would as a deferential. So um, He can be our resident deferential. He has to be our res- resident deferential. Otherwise, we would be showing uh, preferential deferential to the differential? Uh, differential, yes. Gosh, this reminded me of The Power of the Negative from How to Speak Minnesotan by Howard Moore. I wonder if you've seen that. I have. I've, 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 uh, he can close the video, but I, I have that book here somewhere. 
Uh, cheers, Alex from St. Paul. Thank you, Alex. A cool candy shoot, 28 feet. Um, oh, Bob in North Carolina, by the way, asked, uh, mentioned that an Onus Wagner baseball card sold for $1.4 million recently. Any thoughts on appraising your beloved card collection? Uh, I have thought about, I mean, I only, my, I only keep my beloved card collection for, for, uh, so that I can look at it once every year and a half. But I have the entire, among other things, I have the entire 1974 tops set and the entire 1975 top set. I have no idea what they're worth, if they're worth anything. But, uh, but I also have no interest in, in selling them. You have no interest in bringing them to the elephant's trunk and no, I, 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 haggling? I, no, these days you have to have them uh, slabbed and, and appraised there, by There was somebody who had jewelers. a table at the elephant's trunk that had um, baseball or other sports cards on it, but um, our, our daughter didn't see those as ki- a kid's table, so I didn't get to look and see what they were. Ah, well, I, I'll have to get out to the elephant's trunk. Uh, one of these Sundays. I think you would not enjoy it at all. No, I'm sure I wouldn't. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. Gary Siegel, although the podcast will be recorded after the election, I've taken the liberty of including my favorite campaign sign as an attachment. I hope that we indeed all, and here's the sign, make America nice again, as proclaimed by candidate Elmo of Sesame Street fame on this campaign sign seen in a suburban southern yard. Feel free to post it on social media should you wish. That's uh, That's your... Bailowick, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Uh, along these same lines, let me please take a moment to thank you and your children for being overly kind by taking the time, effort, and expense to allow us to share in your world and laugh together. Each week's podcast is the one for which I can't wait, and using delayed gratification, I save it until the other more mundane podcasts, new sports, have all been listened to. Last week, I enjoyed the podcast during a 30-mile bicycle ride in glorious fall weather. Well, if he's saying it, if he's saving it to listen to after the more mundane podcast imagine how that happens. imagine his his surprise and dismay when he learns that the topic of mundanity is uh is our theme of the week our tedium our tedium is the tedium is the message steve i nearly fell off my bike well not really when rebecca mentioned that you were completing a diy home project but i'm so proud of you for completing as best that you could the cabinet door repair speaking of the cabinet door repair rebecca we were talking about a potential presidential cabinet this week. Yes. And our 10-year-old had some thoughts. What were they? Yeah, we, we were talking about the possibility um, of X, Y, or Z being um, named to the president's cabinet. And I don't know how much after that, our our 10-year-old, um, as she's like doing her homework at the kitchen counter, looked up and said, what goes in the, pe- <laughs> what goes in the president's pantry? And uh, anyway... We had a tertiary cabinet, secondary <laughs> cabinet. It's it's like in her brain. What cereal? What cookies? What well, goes in the president's pantry? So much pantry? of our lives revolve around the cabinet door and the pantry. That uh, especially the snack pantry. That uh, it's not entirely understandable. Doctor Siegel and and I, I am pleased that he mentions this because I brought it up last week and he he's got my back here. Uh, when you need pliers, he writes, you need pliers. And trust me, it's nice to be able to say scalpel and have one thrust safely into one's hand, ready to use without even having to look at the exchange. My poor wife and children have suffered when I'm doing a home project with their assistance and ask for a tool as they have come to expect said tool to be passed quickly and correctly into my hand, ready to use. That raises a question for me. Do you suppose they they must practice that transfer as you do, like handing off a baton 
in the in the four by one hundred relay in the Olympics. I would right? think so. The, the, well, the, the Dr. Safe, Siegel will have to tell us uh, the sort of the uh, transfer of power, Dr. Siegel, as you would say. The, the transfer of pliers. Yes, the transfer the, of scalpel. The peaceful transfer of pliers. And is there enough of a handle for the the person transferring it to pick it up safely and then hand it to the doctor safely? Like how exactly? And and do you ever get like you, you know the sharp end of the stick, as it were? Right. When when it's being transferred. The peaceful transfer of pliers. I, I like that. Um, and 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 in regards to a another question we had, medical question, and I'm glad that he's here to answer a lot of medical. We asked if tube tubes tying is still a thing phrase. Yeah. Lastly, Rebecca, while gynecologists do perform tubal ligations for permanent sterilization, that's the medical terminology. We indeed we indeed do say tie your tubes or some facsimile when discussing the process with patients. I remember my mom using that phrase because like. Probably any time I asked why she didn't have more kids, I was a, the third of three. Um, she would just say, you know, I had my tubes tied, had my tubes tied. And and always, like as a kid, you're like, what right. does and, that and, and mean? I had, and, and, and in my mind, it, it was a, a close cousin of, of tube tops, which were a thing at the same time that... Um, in your mind, it was a close cousin of tube tops? Isn't it tube tops were a thing like in the 70s? Yes. But in no one's mind was that a close cousin of tying your tubes. Well, I mean, you don't you didn't know my mind. Yes. Still well, I, you, you still actually, don't. now that I do know your mind, I wouldn't be surprised. Is it like, are we allowed to do a viewer mail after a Dr. We're, Siegel we're, viewer I, mail? I, I, we are because because Dr. Siegel bats clean up. But we, but the five hole is a very important spot okay. in the lineup, and because so because we have one via Twitter. Oh, please go. Okay, this came in from Mike, and Mike's question to Ball and Chain, which is at Ball and Chain Pod on Twitter, whatever happened to the tradition of carrying your coach off the field after winning the championship? Did Gatorade have anything to do with this? And why was it only in football and not the other three major sports? We need to know. I missed that as well. Well, you know what? After my college team won the national championship, we carried Coach Oriama off, but it was a big joke. Like he had said the year before or something, if we win the championship, I expect you guys to carry me off. And uh, and so we did. There's this great picture and it shows us like with Coach on our shoulders and he's just like laying back laughing hysterically. Um, but yeah, people don't, don't do that anymore. Why is they that? Should. Why let's, is let's, that? Let's start a campaign to get that. That's what we need. Because, you know, as long as you, you haven't just tested positive for COVID-19, you know, you well, win the I World know, Series, carry the manager I know why nobody somewhere. does it right now. but uh, Right, of course. But uh, It's always great and, and a little tense to see if the Raiders were going to get John Madden up on their shoulders, and they, and they did no problem. Yeah. I think, um, I think that needs to return, although it, it might be hard, like in women's basketball, if you have a coach like Muffet McGraw who's wearing a short skirt, sure. that could be a that could be a challenge. Bring out a, a bring out like a, a litter or a, a stretcher or a you know and carry them or like what are the things that, that thing. queens I mean. and yeah. kings go yeah, on? Exactly. Put, bring out one of those. Uh, finally, we have another viewer mail that I'm saving for the end here because it's it's. Um, so that wasn't the, the finally. This is the finally. This is this is it. I okay. mean, unless there's, I've opened the outer envelope and I've opened the inner envelope, and perhaps unless there's a, a third envelope in here, this is the final one. Do we need to? Um, yes. It, it, if if something goes awry, we'll document it in our our, we'll, our we'll, notebook. We'll, we'll log it. Let's let's hope this goes well. Dear Stephen Rebecca, greetings from Higashi Kitazawa. Ooh. It's it's our it's our correspondent Michael in Higashi. Of course Kit- it is. He was formerly our Japan. correspondent in Santo, Santo Domingo. Right. Then, then after that, he was our correspondent in Tokyo. Right. And then we find out he's really in Higashi Kitazawa. Okay. 
Hello, uh, Michael. This week, I, uh, this week I was riding the trains to work, the Odakiyu and Chiyoda lines, and reflecting on joys in my life. I like that he parenthetically included the names of the lines because he knew I would ask. Right. Reflecting on joys of his life, is that a song, a book, or just like... On, on, joys, on joys. On joys, not almond joys. On joys in his life. Yeah, he doesn't. He's just al- reflecting on general joys he, in his he life. Doesn't, uh, on first reading, I thought he put almond joys in his life cereal. Mm-hmm. But no. Speaking the, of commercials, these are all lowercase. Speaking of commercials, both right. memorable. Yes. He likes right. it. Hey, Mikey, and almond joys got nuts, mounds don't. Right. But no, this is he's reflecting on joys in his life. I like that. Okay. I mean, that's what you should be reflecting on when you're riding the subway. And not not joys with the capital J. He's not reflecting on on women named Joy who had <laughs> previously <laughs> that, shared his life. That might be creepy. Okay. Well, I, to each his own. But unsurprisingly, writes Michael, your podcast came to mind. The weekly calmness and humor of Ball and Chain remain a potent antidote to the heaviness that surrounds us all. So, arigato. Mr. Rabato. No, you don't have to say. I, I, I was waiting. There was, there was, Denny can perhaps calibrate. Was there a, a second pause? I was going to see how long it took for you to throw in the Mr. Roboto. It's almost a, a muscle, a reflex. If you hear arigato. You have to. If you grew up when we did. Mr. Roboto automatically follows, right? It does, yes. Uh, here's a little autumnal gift for you both, writes Michael. Ready for some uh, lyrical magic, Rebecca? He sent us a poem. He did. I think it's a nice note to close on. Let's Shall we? Let's close on it, yes. Autumn aches of crimson breaks and gold mistakes, things we must take up with rakes. Enjoy the wonder that is the day I remain Michael. On that note... For Denny Gallagher. Tom, Dick, Harry. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts sanity To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.